welcome to the Cell Culture Dish podcast, Integrated Freezing Solutions to Minimize Risk and Preserve Product Quality. I'm Brandy Sargent, editor of the Cell Culture Dish. Joining me today is Claire Jarmé-Swan, Global Product Manager, Paul Corporation. Claire has over 20 years of experience in the life sciences industry, holding positions of increasing responsibility in technical marketing and product management. Most recently, Claire is responsible for the global product management of the Freeze and Go Solutions platform, as well as the sterile connector and disconnector product portfolio used in upstream, downstream, and formulation and filth applications at Paul Corporation. She holds an MBA from Southampton Business School, University of Southampton, and a master's in microbiology from the University of Natal in South Africa. I wanted to start today's conversation by asking about freeze thaw and how it's becoming an increasingly important topic as companies look for ways to improve current methods. What's driving companies to look for these improvements? Well, currently around 60% of drugs and vaccines include a freezing thawing process. And demand has really been fueled now by the pandemic response of vaccine developers and manufacturers and their global external manufacturing networks. Also by 2024, there are expected to be more than 400 new drugs and vaccines that require cold storage. With biotech companies outsourcing around 81% of their fill finish requirements, this has created the need for shipping bulk drug substance, either by road or air, so robust storage, freezing, transport and thawing is critical. This means an industrialised end-to-end storage and shipping solution is increasingly required. Knowing the impact of extractables and leachables is also critical, and maintaining the same biocontainer bag film through the bioprocessing workflow from upstream through downstream to bulk drug substance filling and freezing, and even during formulation and filling, reduces that risk. So the ability to utilize pre-qualified biocontainer bags protected by robust shells throughout the entire storage, freeze-thaw, and shipping process train is optimal. Robust shells that immobilize the biocontainer bags and reduce the risk of loss, which can be as high as 1% to 5% due to leakages and product loss worth millions of dollars annually, form the heart of any solution. Fast and controlled freezing and thawing is also optimal to maximize homogeneity of the drug substance, and the transportation shippers need to ensure the sub-zero temperatures can be maintained for multiple days and meet ISTA or ASTM shipping standards. So all these factors are driving biotech manufacturers and their external manufacturing networks to look for better solutions. With what you were saying, I'm wondering if you could describe for us the current methods for freeze-thaw. Well, historically, bottles have been used to store, freeze and ship drug substance. However, the use of single-use biocontainer bags protected by shells is rapidly growing. This is largely due to the flexibility and closed system that can be maintained by using biocontainer bags with sterile connectors and disconnectors, making it possible to fill, freeze, thaw and drain in CNC or even warehouse environments. This is simply not possible with bottles that often need to be filled, maybe using laminar flow, as a closed system cannot be maintained. Regarding freeze-thaw, static or lab freezers and blast freezers are the oldest freezing technology used in in industry. However, this has its downsides. And this has really moved on now to plate-based freezing and thawing, which offers fast and controlled freezing 
as the plates are in direct contact with the bottles or the shell encasing the buyer container bag. You mentioned blast freezing. Could you talk a little bit about the disadvantages of blast freezing in bottles? Well, in blast freezing, the air is really circulated with warm air ascending and cold air descending, you know, the standard convection practices. And this airflow is not well controlled, which obviously results in low surface heat transfer. The airflow or uncontrolled environment leads to unpredictable and deviating freezing kinetics, even within the same run. And this really means that up to 56% of proteins viability can be lost and individual zones um, can be as much as 5 to 6 degrees Celsius or 41 to 43 degrees Fahrenheit temperature differences. So blast freezing also takes two to five times longer than controlled plate freezing, which takes five to eight hours, so a standard working shift. And this slow freezing in blast freezers results in cryoconcentration and a lack of drug substance homogeneity. Proteins, vaccines, excipients form concentration gradients near the freeze front and get excluded from the ice-liquid interface. And this can lead to pH shifts and phase separation among the components, resulting, for example, in protein structural damage. Controlled fast freezing, on the other hand, results in smaller ice crystal formation and scale-up offers the same thermal parameters. And if you consider the amount of cold storage space required for frozen bottles, this is large and costly. And in contrast, biocontainer bags protected in shells can be simply stacked, thereby increasing cold storage density and reducing the costs of storage. As you talk about need for space for storage and things like that, it, it makes me think about scale up and it's always an important topic in biomanufacturing. And so freezing technologies must be scalable as well. Can plate freezing be scaled up to meet increasing demands? Oh, most definitely. Plate freezing in biocontainer bags can easily be scaled. Consistent temperature kinetics have been demonstrated during freezing from you know small volumes of 50 milliliter biocontainer bags to larger 10 and 20 litre buyer container bags. And the average number of hours to last point of freeze is almost identical across all volumes. And the temperature curves for freezing and thawing are similar, irrespective of the load. In contrast, the average number of hours to last point of freeze with conventional freezing technologies increases as the volume increases. As an industry, we're always looking for ways to increase integration and automation of processes. Could you describe how modern freeze-thaw methods could be integrated into existing processes and what benefits could be gained from this type of integration? Well, a severe technology gap has really been identified between downstream and fill-finish integrations. And this area is the filling, freezing, transportation and thawing of bulk drug substance, which is always being fragmented where you could buy a filling machine from supplier A and maybe the buyer container bag from B and then add a freezer from supplier C and the shipper from supplier D. And there are a number of threats and disadvantages arising from this very disjointed approach. You know, there's the, the severe lack of robustness, the limited number of uh, platform qualifications, let alone the comprehensive validation packages that are available. And there's no genuine scalability and no reassurance of supply. So this has really um, proven a challenge for customers. So streamlining the process and enabling an integrated solution between downstream and fill finish is very much preferred. So how can this be achieved? Well, really, it uh, starts with selecting a supplier that offers a one-stop solution for buyer container bags, together with protective shells, 
filling units, freeze-thaw units, and a validated transportation solution. This solution integrates seamlessly with downstream and fill-finish processes and has the benefit of minimizing extractables and leachables through utilization of the same biocontainer film and maintaining a closed system throughout. That makes a lot of sense as we see that um, integrated processes across the entire biomanufacturing platform are preferred. So it makes a lot of sense that you would want to have an integrated process as well for for freeze-thaw. If a company wanted to look at employing plate freezing in their operations, how would you recommend that they get started? I'd recommend starting small and scaling up, which can be easily done with place-based freezing. At development and, and clinical stage, you could use a lab-scale plate freezer to establish optimum freeze-thaw conditions with volumes as low as 500 milliliters. And then the same kinetics can then be transferred to large plate freezers without the need to revalidate the freeze-thaw process. And recipe-driven automation means you can program and select specific freeze-thaw conditions as required time and time again. This is a really important topic, and it's great to have additional information on this. Um, I know that we've just scratched the surface really of new freezing technologies and what's possible when these methods are employed. How would you recommend listeners learn more? Well, I'd really recommend they visit the Paul Biotech website or even contact uh, the local Paul representative to discuss requirements further. That's perfect. And I'll make sure in the show notes that we put some links to some additional resources as well. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. This was a great uh, look at what we can really do and how we can improve freezing in biomanufacturing. Thank you again. Thanks, Brandy. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Cell Culture Dish podcast. To listen to other podcasts related to the discovery, development, and manufacture of biologics, please visit us at www.cellculturedish.com. And for downstream process topics, www.downstreamcolumn.com.